people from Arkansas, too. And Chris is from Arkansas. And uh, even Dr. Larry, who's doing our creation seminar on Sunday nights, he is from Arkansas, so we can receive from anybody. And uh, praise the Lord. It's a testimony. No, I'm just teasing. Got to do that to my friends from Arkansas. Not only he's from Arkansas, but he's an Aggie, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I love Chris, and uh, it's good to have you guys. All right, let's uh, open the Word of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to continue talking about spiritual gifts. And today we're going to actually, um, we're going to actually, I'm going to try to, before we finish today, cover the gifts that are listed in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in detail um, because I, I, believe, I believe oftentimes, if not most of the time, we get bogged down in way too much detail. And um, to the point that, you know, we've got whole methodologies and formulas in trying to figure out what my gift is and what my gift isn't and how to walk in my gift. And, and, and you know, and I think we make it way too complicated. Um, and so let's, let's look at the Scripture and see what the Scripture says. And be clear on that. And if we trust the Lord, then the Spirit of God will, will work and operate everything the way it's supposed to be worked and operated. Amen? I believe that because that's what the Scripture says. So, uh, first, let me quote to you what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So this is why we've been talking about spiritual gifts now for several weeks, and, and we started this by beginning a series on the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and you can't talk about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit without touching on spiritual gifts, and so we need to understand this very important uh, proclamation by the Apostle Paul that we are not to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, Amen. All right, so I just want to review some things we touched on last week that we should know about spiritual gifts. And this is going to bring us into talking specifically about uh, the gifts as they're listed in Scripture. And the first thing is what we just said. We are not to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. The second thing is, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says there are diversities of gifts... There are diversities of ministries, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So we understand we don't all have the same gift, we don't all have the same ministry, and we're going to talk about that word ministry, and we don't have all the same activity or uh, working of the Spirit going on inside of us. The activities or the operation or the divine energy of the Spirit is to cause the working and the operating of the specific gift that God may have given us in Christ. Amen? And so there are diversities. That's the key word you need to understand there. We were not all meant to be the same. We were not all meant to have the same gift to do the same thing. And we're going to get into that more probably next week as we as we just go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because we can't read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then ignore the rest of the chapter. 
If we do that, we won't have a proper understanding of what Paul is teaching. As a matter of fact, we can't even read the rest of the chapter and ignore chapters 13 and 14 and have a proper understanding of what Paul is describing here. So there are diversities, but it is the same God. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, the Scripture says, or each member for the profit of all or for the profit of the body. So there is given to each one for the profit of all. So the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The gifts are given by God according to grace. This is another important thing that we need to remember. The gifts are given by God according to grace. I don't earn my gift. I don't buy my gift. I can't study real hard for my gift and then become licensed in my gift. doesn't work that way, okay? Gifts are given by God according to grace. And what does grace mean? Grace means there is nothing of me. It's not from me. It's not of me. It's nothing of us. It is the grace of God. The next thing that you need to know is this. Gifts are to be used in proportion to our faith. How do we know that? Because that's what Romans 12, 6 says. So if we have, for instance, the gift of prophecy, then prophesy how? In proportion to your faith. What faith is that referring to? It's referring to the measure of faith that God has given to each one. So here's what we need to understand. It, it, you know, every analogy breaks down. But, but it's kind of like, it's this horrible analogy, but you'll understand what I'm trying to say here. It, it, it is in proportion to your faith. So God has given you the measure of faith, the capacity of faith to operate in this gift. It's kind of like your car. You have a car and it has a gas tank with a certain capacity. And you're not going to operate that car beyond the capacity of its gas tank. You didn't give it the car its gas tank and you didn't put the gas in the car. God did that, spiritually speaking. Okay, God determined the measure of faith he would give you corresponding to the gift that he has also given you. And you are to operate in that gift, in proportion to the measure of faith he has given you. Remember, we use this analogy, if you have the gift of healing, that does not necessarily mean that you can raise the dead. Hey, I prayed for somebody last week and they got healed. Let's try raising the dead this week. It's never going to happen. Well, if I read my Bible more, will it happen? No, it's not going to happen just because you read your Bible more. You'll never raise the dead until God does what? Gives you the grace to raise the dead. That's why you don't see very many people being raised from the dead today. Because if it was up to you and I, all of our loved ones would still be here today, right? It's the truth. They'd all be here today because we would all pray for them and raise them from the dead. But it's not up to us, it's up to God. So this is very important. Gifts are to be used in, the, in proportion to the faith, the measure of faith. God has dealt. He's the dealer. We're the receiver. He has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith corresponding to the gift he has given to us. Here's the next thing you need to understand. God's gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, work. How? They work by the Spirit. Gifts work by the Holy Spirit. I don't work gifts. 
the Spirit works gifts. It's like grace. It's by the Spirit. It's nothing by or nothing of us. The gifts are distributed by the Spirit. I can desire, matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, desire spiritual gifts. But in my desiring them, I need to understand I'm not going to be the one to determine which one I receive. Matter of fact, he says desire the best gifts. And it's not that there are some gifts better the way we understand better. You understand what I'm saying? Like, have you ever, you know, have you ever been a kid before? Remember getting a present as a kid? And we all had the aunt who bought us a wool flannel shirt every year for Christmas. And every year you knew you were going to get a wool flannel shirt. And so you opened up that package and you knew you just didn't know what color flannel it was going to be. And you were very nice and polite to your aunt, but you opened that real quick and you moved on to the thing that you knew, that toy set that you begged your parents for and you knew you could tell by the way it was wrapped. That's the toy set. But you had to open aunt's gift that was the wool flannel shirt. But see, that's not the mentality we're talking about here. Paul is talking about, he's saying, listen, there are some gifts that, that, that build up, edify the whole body. You Corinthians are stuck on this speaking in tongue stuff, and it doesn't edify the whole body. To the point that y'all are in here babbling like a bunch of idiots, and nobody can understand you, and you think you're doing something, but you're just creating confusion. He says, you know, it's much better to prophesy. Why? Because when you prophesy, everybody understands what you're saying and you're edifying, building up the body. He said, that is, it's better to build up the body. I would rather speak five words in a language that is understood than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why would Paul say that? Because Paul understood the profit of building up the body. So Paul says, if you have a desire, let your desire be for those things that will build up the body, not just edify yourself, not just cause you to be a walking, you know, billboard saying, have gift will travel. No, he says, it's not about you, it's about the body. I digress, so let's get back on track. So the point is this, the gifts are distributed to each one as the Spirit of God wills. But desire those gifts that will build up the body. But even in desiring them, understand God will give you what he desires to give you, how and when he desires to give it to you. And the last point is this. Gifts are for a witness. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Various signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit bearing witness to This so great a salvation that God has sent to this world in the form of his son. And so the gifts that you have don't prove that you're saved. They prove that God is a savior. And the gifts of the spirit operating in the body of Christ are for a witness according to his own will.
Amen? Hebrews 2, 4. All right, now, I've given you plenty of time to find Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Let's start there. And let's just go through and talk about the specific gifts as they're listed. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them if prophecy... Now, before I get into this, let us use them. So the implication here is that if God has given us, given us gifts, they are to be used. Amen? And if the gifts are for the profit of all, the whole body, for the building up of the body, then it's reasonable to believe that gifts are still in operation today. We just need to understand it, the context in which these gifts are operating. And the, the major context we need to understand is that they're here to build up the body. All right, so if prophecy, verse 6, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, y'all forgive me if I don't get all the way through this today. I'm hoping to. I'm planning on. But, but we're going to begin here with probably the most controversial gift that there is, prophecy. Let me just tell you, everybody and their dog wants to be a prophet today. And just about everybody and their dog proclaims to be a prophet today. And I, I'm, I'm not sure what I think about that, other than I think that it's quite excessive. But now here's the thing. The first thing we need to... It doesn't really matter what I think about it, right? Do you guys understand that? It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't really matter what you think about it. What only matters is what the Scripture declares about it. And this is something that we need to really get deep down within us. What I think or what you think about something really doesn't matter. It's what the Scripture declares. It does matter if I'm not willing to be taught and receive from the Scripture. We talked about how do heresies get started in the church. Today, that was the topic as we're beginning to study Colossians. Today, we begin in Colossians 1. Well, I'll tell you how heresies get started. They get started because people won't be taught by and receive the truth of Scripture. Now, it doesn't matter if a demon whispers in my ear or what, what, however I'm led away. It's kind of like Paul said, however you were led away to these dumb idols. There's only one thing speaking. It is the Spirit of God. It is the truth. The truth speaks loud and clear above everything else. And if we want to deafen ourselves to the truth, then, then we may be led away to dumb idols. We may be. So it's important that we let the Scripture declare to us and define for us these truths and these realities. So if I have the gift of prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So let me begin by, kind of like Paul says, you do not come together for the Lord's Supper. Let me begin by telling you what, what prophecy is not. We, we think prophecy is all about predicting future things. I mean, I'm telling you what, we have, we have in the prophetic movement, people, they give, it's, you guys remember, I didn't know this, well, I knew this, I, I went to Hemisphere Remember the Hemisphere Tower? Me and my kids and family just went last week. Well, in 1968, I think it was 68, they had the World's Fair there. Well, I went in 1968. I was seven years old, and I remember it. I just had a blast. 
And I remember going up in that hemisphere tower, riding that glass front elevator. Well, I went to a family reunion this weekend, and I was told, I didn't realize this, my brother, who is 18 years older than me, and if he ever hears this, then please forgive me, brother. But, but I found out that my brother, who's 18 years older than me, my sister told me this, my brother didn't tell me this, he, Gene Dixon that year, had predicted that the hemisphere tower was going to fall over on that day. And so my brother was scared to go up in the tower because he was afraid that prediction might come true. And I remember every year Jean Dixon would put out her list of predictions for the year. I'm telling you what, what I see going on in too much of the prophetic movement today is very similar to what Jean Dixon's been doing for decades. I don't even know if the woman's still alive or not. Listen, God has not given the gift of prophecy so we can just sit around and predict the future and write books and, and all this about what's, what's going to happen. Because the reality is if you read most of it, it, it doesn't come to pass. And then we have some excuse as to why it didn't come to pass. But here's what we need to understand, church. The gift of prophecy, I believe, is still in operation today in the church. But it's not in operation today in the church as we read in the Old Testament and as the apostles walked in it in the New Testament as they were completing the canon of Scripture. Prophecy is not just about predicting future events. As a matter of fact, that's, I don't believe, is even the main function of the gift. But it is a declaration of what God has declared. What did the prophets, what did Isaiah, what did Ezekiel, what did Daniel, what did Moses, what did they all declare? Were they shooting in the dark when they uttered those words? No, they were declaring what God had declared. That's what a prophet does. A prophet declares what God has declared. The difference is this. When Ezekiel declared what God declared, somebody wrote it down and it became our Bible today. If I want to put prophet on my chest and walk around and call myself a prophet, I guarantee you what I declare, I don't care how much I think God's telling me to declare it, it will never become part of this book right here. It ain't going to happen. Because those prophets and that prophetic calling is long gone. Long gone. Doesn't exist anymore today. So if there are prophets today, then what are the prophets declaring? They're declaring the same thing. They're declaring what God has declared. Well, what has God declared to us? God has declared this word. What does this word declare to us? This word declares Christ. And so the prophetic gift today will never, ever, ever, if it's operating in true prophetic form, if it's a true prophetic declaration, it will never declare anything that goes outside of the bounds or the constraints of Scripture. It will never declare anything that is contrary to the nature of God as he has revealed it in this word right here. Is there more of God to know than what's in this word? You better believe there is. But anything beyond this word that I have to say is speculation. And God has made it very clear. The secret things belong to him. 
But the things that he has revealed belong to us. So what has God given to us? He's given us his word. This is his revealed word. And if I operate as a prophet today, what I'm going to declare is going to be absolutely consistent with this word and the Christ this word proclaims, or I'm a false prophet. And you better run. And I don't care how many television channels they're on. I don't care how much money they have, how many jets they fly around the world. I don't care. It cannot, it must not go beyond the constraints of this word right here. And so the prophetic gift today is still a declaration of the word of God. It's just that this, the word has been revealed to us. And my declaration is now within this revealed word. And that declaration, listen, it can encompass the past. It can encompass the present. It can encompass the future. It can. But it will never violate the word. Today, any prophetic declaration would be constrained by the scripture. True prophetic utterance can never violate God's revealed word or his revealed nature. Amen? Can we all agree on that? Scripture has been written. It is complete. So there are no more prophets. So when someone says, you know, I've got the anointing of Isaiah. I've got Elijah's anointing. No, you don't. You do not have Elijah's anointing. (laughs) And why would you want Elijah's anointing when you have the Lord of glory living on the inside of you? Never could understand that one. I'm praying for Elijah's anointing. Why are you praying for Elijah's anointing when Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you? Elijah wanted Jesus Christ. Now you got Jesus Christ and you want Elijah. Doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't. And if we don't have a proper understanding of the Scripture, that's the kind of foolish thinking that we'll live in and operate in. And that's exactly what it is. It's foolishness. Boy, y'all are going to love me by the time this day is over with. Man. All right, let's go to the next one. So if prophecy, prophesy in proportion to our faith. Where does my faith come from to prophesy? It's the measure of faith God has given to each one. So if God has given me the gift of prophecy, guess what? He has given me a measure of faith to prophesy with. Can I prophesy below my measure of faith? You better believe I can. Can I prophesy above my measure of faith? Not, you, not, not a chance of it. Not a chance of it. And if I have a proper understanding of what these gifts are and who Christ is, then I, I think it's going to be difficult for me to even operate in the gifts below my measure of faith. It's only as I have an incomplete or improper understanding of the gifts that, I, that, that it becomes confusing. If we really understand what the Scripture is declaring, it's really not confusing at all. It takes all the effort out of it. I'm, I'm resting and abiding in Him and understanding it's Him. He's the one that's, that's operating and doing these things, not me. All right, let's go to the next one, ministry. So, or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. Now, understand that all of these are in what proportion? They are all in proportion to the measure of faith that God's given. So if the gift of ministry is what God has given me according to his grace, then he has also given me the measure of faith that's gonna, I'm going to operate in. Now, now, I want you to understand this. If, 
if, if I have the gift of ministry and you have the gift of ministry, does that mean that we both have the same measure of faith? No. You may have a greater measure of faith for your gift than I do. And I shouldn't be upset with you if, if you do, because you didn't withhold from me. God is the giver of the gifts. And this is Paul's point in Romans and in Corinthians when he's teaching these things. You guys, you didn't determine the measure of faith you got with your gift. God gave that to you. So if that dude over there can prophesy better than you can, then don't, don't, don't worry about it. If, if he gets more revelation than you do, or you think he gets more than you do, or he seems like he's... Why are you jealous of that? You're like an ear wanting to be a hand, but God made you an ear, so be what God made you. Okay, ministry. This is a word... This word, real, real simply, just means service. This is one who serves. It is a servant. See, we've glorified this word ministry. We all want to be ministers, but really what we're saying is, I want to be a servant. I want, you don't want to hear people fighting to become servants, do you? We're all fighting to, to not have to be servants anymore. No, you know, here. Here, son, you carry my Bible. You can be my sword bearer now. Give me a break. I mean, that, that's, that's the mentality. I've, I've graduated above that. I don't even have to carry my own Bible anymore. I've got a servant who does that for me. Man, that's Old Testament mentality. You guys realize that? That's Gentile mentality. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, become a servant. Carry your own Bible. So it's not real complicated. Let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. It's, it's a gift for the action of serving. This is the word, the root word that th this comes from is the word that we get our word deacon from. But this gift, I don't believe necessarily is reserved for the office of a deacon. That doesn't mean if you have this gift, you're a deacon. But I do believe if you are in the office of a deacon, then you're going to have this gift. So the point of the gifts is not so I can walk around with a title. It's a gift God gets. It's not, it's, it's not something I, man, i got to serve today again because, dadgum, this is the gift that God gave me. But I guess I'll serve anyways. Maybe if I serve long enough and hard enough, he'll give me a better gift one day. Do you see how wrong that mentality is? That is so wrong. We've missed the whole point of what God is saying. This is the gift God's given you to operate in. Why? For the profit of the body, for the building up of the body. And so let's not glorify it beyond what it is. It is the gift of God defined by a servant's heart to serve. And you would agree that some people are more gifted to serve than others are. That doesn't mean we're not all called to be servants, because I believe... If we're in Christ, we are because that was the nature of Christ. He was the suffering servant. So you can't say, well, I don't have to serve because that's not the gift God gave me. Uh-uh. But that is, you, you serve because that's the nature and character of Christ. Amen? Teaching. How about teaching? He who teaches in teaching. It is simply the gift to teach the revelation of the Scripture as inspired by the Spirit. That's my definition. I, I can't think of anything 
more that really needs to be said. It is the gift to teach the revelation of the Scripture as inspired by the Spirit. The Scriptures are inspired by the Spirit. Illumination or revelation doesn't come from my teaching. It comes from the Spirit. So I can teach you what the Spirit has revealed to me, but guess what? You're going to have to also get that revelation by the Spirit. Otherwise, you're just getting a bunch of information from me, and that information may be profitable or may not be profitable for you. If it's not mixed with faith and it's not illuminated by the Spirit, it won't be very profitable for you. And there are some people that have the gift to teach the revelation of the Scripture as inspired by the Spirit. Exhortation. He who exhorts in exhortation. What's an exhorter? An exhorter is an encourager. There are some people that have the gift to encourage others in any circumstance. I mean, there's just some people that have the gift of encouragement. Do you, do you begin to see, if, we, if you just stop for a moment and think about all of these different gifts, do you see how important each gift is in its own right? And, and how, not just in its own right, but when you then place all of these gifts in a body of people, how important it is to have people that just have a supernatural ability to serve. Or people that just have uh, an extraordinary ability to encourage other people. Or to teach. Or to declare what God has declared. Amen? And it doesn't mean you just have one of these gifts. You, you might have a combination of these gifts and God knows which combinations go well together for the building up of the body. Giving. Giving is a gift. There is a gift. Does that mean only people that are gifted to give should give? Well, I'm not giving uh, in the offering today. I'm not giving my tithe this week because I don't discern that God has given me the gift to give this week. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of weird thinking that that's, you laugh about that, but I'm telling you what, there are people that have that mentality. And it's just wrong. We're all called to give, to be givers. Why? Because God's a giver. But I'm going to tell you what, there are people that have a gift to extraordinary and generously give of their time, their talent, and their treasure and not think a thing about it. Not worry a thing about, man, if I write this check, how am I going to... People that have the gift to give, they don't think about those things. They're not foolish. They're not just, you know, loose cannons out there. It it is a gift. And God knows that the body of Christ needs people that, that are gifted to give extraordinarily and generously. Not only of their money, but of their talent and their and their time for the building up of the body. The other is leading. If leading then lead with diligence, the Scripture says. There are people that have the gift to lead others into the direction and destination set by God. God doesn't raise up a leader so he can lead them in his own way. Jim Jones came up today in the Bible study. Most of you probably don't even know who Jim Jones is. But he led hundreds and hundreds of people down to South America and started this cult camp. You ever heard the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid? That's where that came from. 
So they mixed up grape Kool-Aid for about 900 and something people, and they told them all to drink the Kool-Aid. And guess what was in the Kool-Aid? It was poison. And they murdered over 900 people who drank the Kool-Aid. Well, Jim Jones didn't have the gift to lead from God. He wasn't leading them in the direction and the destination that was set by God. He was leading them in the direction and destination that he set for himself. And that's not what someone who is gifted to lead is, is called to do. They lead in the direction and in the destination set by God. And there are people gifted to do that. Mercy, the gift of mercy. It is the gift to care for and about others in an extraordinary measure of compassion. Do you know some people who are more merciful than other people? You do, don't you? There are just some people that have the gift of mercy. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Does that mean that if you don't have the gift of mercy, you shouldn't be merciful? Why should we all be merciful? That's right, because God has extended mercy to all of us. That's right. All right, any questions? I don't normally ask for questions, but anybody have a question about any, any of the gifts that we've talked about so far? Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a question and you're afraid to ask it in public, then come see me or send me an email or Facebook me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Let's begin there. Well, let's begin in verse 7, because here again, this is the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, that talks about the diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of activities. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the prophet of all. So Paul is emphasizing this again. These are for the profit of all. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom. Let's not over-spiritualize this, okay? Well, pastor, what's the word of wisdom? It's a word of wisdom. It's a word of wisdom. Well, what does that mean? It means God gave you the ability, the gift, to speak wisdom to people who need wisdom. Well, what, what is this wisdom that God might gift me with? Am I going to possess special knowledge and special ability to... See, you're overthinking it. You're, you're just overthinking it. We want to make all this so, and, and it's not. It's not. It really isn't. See, if we make it that, then we become kind of like the people we're studying on Sunday morning. We become like the Gnostics, who think they've got some special knowledge that nobody else possesses. And so I'm, here I am with special knowledge, special wisdom. Oh, you guys, if you need wisdom, you need to come to me because I've got the special wisdom. And, oh, I've got the special Kool-Aid back here too, by the way. Uh-uh. Well, is there a book I can read to teach me how to operate in the gift of the word of wisdom? I don't think so, except the Bible. Because here, here's the thing. If, if, I'm, if I'm yielded to the Lord, 
And to understand that I'm not the one working these things. I'm not the one operating these things. Obviously, if it's a gift God has to give me, then it's not going to be something that, 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 that I can necessarily go and read and study for myself. Though, you know what? It may be. It may be. You think the word of wisdom is only reserved for really special, super spiritual things? I don't think so either. I think there could be some real practical things in my life that I need wisdom for, and God has gifted people with just really practical wisdom. It might be spiritual, it might be just real everyday life things. Why do we want to compartmentalize and say, it's got to be spiritual or not spiritual? And when I'm in church, I'm in the spiritual box, but when I go to work on Monday, I'm jumping back into the not spiritual box. Oh, I need special wisdom. Oh, let me jump into the spiritual box here and get some spiritual wisdom from God. Why do we think like that? God is present with us when? When I'm in church? When I'm in my spiritual box? No, he's with me all the time. If I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. His spirit, his mind is present with me all the time. But sometimes might be a spiritual issue. It might be a real practical issue. Maybe I'm just lousy at balancing my checkbook. You know, maybe God's gifted someone with some wisdom that you can go to to help you. And, and maybe they just are gifted to impart wisdom to people. Don't make it, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. How will I know when I'm operating in the gift you know what I believe? Now, you guys can disagree, and some of you people that know more than I do and are more spiritual than I, and I'm not, I'm, not being, I'm not being facetious about that. I'm not saying because I'm the pastor, I know it all, because I don't know it all. But this word reveals all I need to have revealed. And God, in his wisdom, didn't elaborate here very much, did he? Word of wisdom. What is the beginning of wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. So can we say wisdom is linked to the fear of the Lord? I, I believe it probably is. Can the fear of the Lord and balancing my checkbook be linked? Oh, I think they could be. Because I think God's interested in every area of your life. From the most mundane to, to that which we would deem the most spiritual. Because he's involved in every area of your life. And so I think you can operate in the word of wisdom and you might not even realize you're operating in it. I think sometimes when you're just talking to people and, and we like to use this word ministering to people. We're never, you know, us pastors, we're never just talking to people. We're always ministering to people. What'd you do today? Well, I ministered to several people. What does that mean? Well, the reality is I sat and drank coffee with them. We just had a conversation. But it sounds so much more spiritual to say I minister to them. Listen, you might be sitting there having coffee with somebody. Just having a good old down-home conversation. Let's use that term. I like it. Sinners aren't afraid of conversations, but they sure don't want to get ministered to. You ever notice that? You know, if, if we would just go and invite some people to come and have a cup of coffee and a conversation, we might reach a whole lot more people. Uh, I just feel like the Lord told me that I need to minister to you. I, I, 
you know, I've got, a, I've got five doctor's appointments today and I'm not going to be able to talk to you. Aside, bye, bye, thank you. you. You just scare them off that way. Let's just have a conversation. And in your conversation, do you think that God, by the Holy Spirit, could just through your mouth, without you even knowing that he's done it, you think he can impart wisdom Amen. to somebody? I mean, do you get a funny feeling? It's like, oop, I feel like the gift of wisdom. The word of wisdom is fixing to come upon me. <laughs> this is the way we think about these things. And I'm telling you, that's not the way it is. Oh, hold on just a minute. I think the Lord's fixing to give me the gift of the word of knowledge for you. Uh-uh. That's why he told the disciples, he said, listen, don't think about what you're going to say before you get there. He said, just open your mouth and, and I'll give you the words to speak. You know, you didn't plan on imparting a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge to somebody. But God in his divine wisdom just ordained that you were going to sit there and have a cup of coffee and a conversation with that person. And lo and behold, God used you to impart some wisdom and some knowledge to that person. And you didn't even plan on that happening. See, if, if it's all about us planning on it happening and trying to make it happen, do you realize that's why it never happens? Because then it's not God, it's me. And we wonder, God, how come, you, how come I'm never used in the gifts? God, how come... Well, I won't even complete that sentence or that question. I'll tell you how come. Because you, you, you've, you've made it more than it needs to be. And when really we just need to avail ourselves, just abide in Him and, and understand that wherever we go, whatever we're doing, His Spirit is there working in us and through us. And I don't have to know when I've imparted a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge to somebody. There doesn't have to be a Shondai, Shondai, thus saith the Lord, preceding everything God says through me. That is man. That is some religious tradition that never is even found in the Bible. It's not there. God doesn't speak Elizabethan English anymore. Only we do. They don't even speak it in England anymore. Only we do. Because we read a Bible that was written in Elizabethan English. God didn't even know. Well, he did, but nobody else knew what Elizabethan English was when the Bible was written. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be, people. Let God just flow through you. Let him live in you and through you. And God will use you and he'll impart through you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. What's a word of knowledge? It's a word of knowledge. I, think, I do think this. I think a word of wisdom very often is used to bring confirmation to somebody. I think a word of knowledge very often is used to bring revelation to somebody. But, but here again, let's not make it real super spiritual more than it needs to be. It's not any more spiritual than anything else you do in Christ. Okay? It's really not. We just need to be available to let God work through us in that way. How about faith? And to another, the gift of faith. To another, faith. Do we all have faith? If you're in Christ, you have faith. You have faith given to you by God to trust in Jesus Christ. Each one has a spiritual gift. Whether you know it or not, God's gifted you. And along with that gift, he has given you a measure of faith. 
When God gives you the gift of faith, it is a supernatural, extraordinary ability to operate in faith. You, you couldn't doubt if you wanted to. You don't even think about doubting. That doesn't mean that, that God only answers the prayer that I have no doubt. If I have the, the least bit of doubt, that's why God didn't answer my prayer. That's not true. I, I want to know, is there anyone here who's ever prayed a prayer and didn't have a teeny tiny tinge of doubt concerning the prayer they prayed? If you haven't, I want you to come talk to me because I want to know what your secret is. See, whether, whether your prayer is answered is not dependent on whether you don't have any doubt or not. That's your works. It's whether I'm trusting in the one who is the author of my faith. If I'm doubting him and who he is, then I've got a problem. doesn't mean every prayer I pray, I've got to have absolute confidence and no doubt whatsoever that God's going to answer it. This is how we get into these false doctrines that say, well, you know, your loved one would have made it, but I guess they just didn't have enough faith. I guess the church just didn't have enough faith. Otherwise, they'd still be with us today. I'm telling you what, I've heard that way too many times. And I have heard those very words spoken on way too many occasions. And that is just a false doctrine. It's a false interpretation of what the Scripture declares. But this gift of faith is a, it's a supernatural ability to, to believe God, to trust God. You don't decide when you operate in that or how you operate in that. That's a gift from God. But we all have been given a measure of faith, and we all are to have faith in the Son of God. And if I don't have faith in the Son of God, I'll never get this gift right here. And I may never get that gift anyways, but God has given me faith to believe in his son, to trust in his son. Can I grow in my faith? Yes, I can. But I can't grow into this kind of faith. I don't grow into the gift of faith. But I can grow in my ability to trust Jesus. I can grow in my ability to, to, to see him and to know him and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is who he has declared himself to be. The gift of healings. Healings are another thing. Gifts of healings. What is that? That's the supernatural ability for healings. Listen, I, I believe this. When I prayed for Gatana that, that night in 1998, it wasn't with the gift of faith that I had because I wouldn't even take the man's shoes off. And I know for a fact God told me to take his shoes off. Because I stood there and argued with God. But when I laid my hands on that man's feet, God healed him. I didn't heal him. God healed him. And God wrought healing through my hands. You can call that the gift of healing. Did I know I was operating in that at the time? Absolutely not. I just obeyed God to the best of my ability. And even in my doubt and unbelief, God did not let God did not allow that man to leave unhealed, and he God did not allow me to not do what it was he called me to do. He gave me a measure of faith, and in that measure of faith, I got down there, laid hands on that guy's ankles. 
because I wouldn't take his shoes off and lay hands on his shoes, on his feet. But nonetheless, even in spite of my doubt and unbelief, you know what God did? God healed that man after 16 long years of chronic pain. He healed him. That was God. I didn't even know it was happening when it happened. I think more than not, that's how you usually know that it really is God. The working of miracles. There is a difference between healing someone and working a miracle. You can't heal a dead person. You guys understand that? So if if someone is raised from the dead, that's the working of a miracle. So I might have the gift of healing, but, but I don't necessarily have the ability to work miracles. That's a gift from God. That ability, that supernatural ability comes from God. And God gives it as he wills to witness as he desires to according to his own will. Prophecy, same thing we talked about in the beginning. Discerning of spirits, this is the supernatural ability. I put that caveat in there because I want you to understand this is not my ability or your ability. This isn't because you've read a lot of books about the occult and you know all about, no. This is a supernatural ability to discern spirits and spiritual influences so as to what? Detect spiritual deception. This is, this is about spiritual deception and to detect spiritual deception. There are a lot of people being spiritually deceived because they're giving place to doctrines of devils. There are people that God gifts with the, the gift of discernment. And it's not so that you can sit there and say, well, uh, brother, I perceive you've got a demon and I want to cast that out of you. No, that's not it. It's to discern spiritually what's going on and what spiritual influences are taking place in a situation or a person's life. They might need the devil cast out of them. I don't know. But it, it is about, the point is to bring people into the truth, to, to break the bonds of spiritual deception and, and let the truth prevail because when the truth prevails, what happens? They'll be set free. So all this incessant, you know, sitting on top of people as they writhe all over the ground, you know, I've been a part of that. And I believe that I've, I've really witnessed people with demons being cast out of them. And I'm going to tell you what. When God, listen to me, church, when God wants to cast the devil out of somebody, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If I think I've got the ability or the gift to do something like that, I may or may not. But I'm going to tell you what. When God says this person is going to get set free, they're going to get set free. Whether they writhe on the ground or whether someone's prayed over them or not, when God says they're going to get set free, they're going to get set free. And if they don't want to get set free, you know, we always hear this, well, you know, they're not free because they don't want to be free. Well, that may be true. But if they don't want to be free, it's because God hasn't said it's time for them to be free yet. And maybe it's because they haven't come to the end of themselves and they haven't come to a place where they're looking to and trusting God the only one who can truly set them free. This is why proclaiming the truth is so important. See, it's not good enough just to say we're going to cast the devil out of this person. If they will not receive the truth, or if the truth is not there for them to be received, you haven't done anything except maybe sweep a house clean and and set it up to be worse than it was to begin with. 
And so this is why if we don't have a proper understanding of the truth and what the scripture declares, and we go off half-cocked and want to do all these things because they seem so spiritual and so right, we may be doing more damage than good. If we're not discerning what's really happening spiritually, we may be like those seven sons of Sceva who just get a good idea to cast the devil out of somebody, and they ended up getting chased out of town by a bunch of demons with, with no clothes on. And I'm telling you what, if we go off half-cocked and we have not discerned correctly, we'll be just as exposed as they will that we really didn't hear from God. It just was a good idea I had. We don't need any more good ideas. We need to be led by God. And when we're led by God, it'll work every time because God's the one working it and God's the one operating it by His Spirit. Tongues. It is the gift of tongues is the supernatural ability to speak in an unknown language. The best demonstration of this is Acts chapter 2. They came down out of the upper room declaring the wonderful works of God, making known to men in their own languages what, what God was declaring. And those men heard and those men understood. And those men speaking weren't speaking languages that they had they didn't, what's that language course you take now? What's it called? Huh? It's not, yeah, it's not Rosetta Stone, and there's, there's another one too. But they didn't all get the Rosetta Stone and learn all the languages. No, it was a gift from God. God gave them the gift to speak in a language that they did not know. The t- interpretation of tongues, what's that? That is the supernatural ability to hear and interpret a language I don't know. I can't read a book and get that. Only God can give me that. As bad as I want to have that when I go to Mexico. Every time I go to Mexico, I'm like, man, God, wouldn't it be awesome if you gave me the gift of tongues and interpretation and I could just speak to these people in Spanish and understand everything they say? You know, it hadn't happened yet. You know what I keep hearing God tell me? If you want to speak to them in Spanish... Learn Spanish. (laughs) Really and truly, that's what I hear God telling me. But you know why I haven't learned Spanish yet? Because I'm too lazy. Let's just cut through the red tape here and let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. I ain't learned Spanish yet because I'm too lazy. So I keep hoping. One day when I go, God might give me the gift. But you know what? I've pretty much come to the conclusion it probably ain't going to happen. Because God probably wants to deal with my laziness more than he wants me to have the gift of tongues and interpretation to be able to speak Spanish. So I say, God, why do I need to learn Spanish when I have Nancy? She's the best interpreter anyone could ever have. God says, see, that's why I'm not going to give you the gift, because you're just too lazy. (laughs) But here's the deal. If somebody needed to go down there and speak to those people in their own language and those people hear the gospel, I guarantee you God would take the least suspecting person and give them the gift to be able to communicate the gospel to them. God will do it. He still does it. See, we we want to, in our culture here, there's no need for anyone to speak in tongues in this service. Don't, don't, don't. Throw stones at me now. You know why? Because we all speak English. We all speak English. What is the point of our speaking? 
It is to communicate and declare the, the, the word of God, the things of God. So why do I need to do that in an unknown tongue and then tell it to you in English? Why don't I just tell it to you in English to begin with? See, if we don't understand what these gifts are for, then we get all these wacky doctrines that, that really are just for man. They're really not from God. It's just for man so that man can reinforce some doctrine that he's created and, and, and call it God. The whole point of the gifts was what? It was to build up the body. It was to build up the body. So we can build up the body speaking a language we all understand. Now, if someone comes in here from Russia, let's say, and they don't read or speak English, you know what? If God wanted to give me or you the gift to speak Russian to them or to understand Russian, God could do that. He could. And if that ever happens, then I, I trust that if God feels compelled and, and the need is there, God will do exactly that. First Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. These manifestations are gifts of grace given to each for the profit of all to build up the body. Verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that body, that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. In other words, he says, just like your body has many members, but you're one body, so is Christ. You guys are many members with different gifts, different ministries, different activities going on, but you're all one in Christ. And the point of all these different gifts and ministries and activities that God has given to you the point of them all is the building up of all, the building up of the body. The point of God giving spiritual gifts to each member of the body is the profit and the building up of all the body. It is the body of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit that bears witness to the salvation of God in the world. Amen? It is the body of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts, in the ministries, and the activities of the Spirit, by the Spirit, according to grace. It is that that causes us to be a witness to the world, for the world to see the body of Christ. Not for the world to see us, but for the world to see Christ. Not for the world to know us, but for the world to know Christ. Now, I'm going to end right there. I know there, are, there are, I know there have to be questions that you have. And I know I didn't cover everything. I, I, I could sit here and go another hour and deal with things that I know you're probably questioning right now. But my intent is not to answer all of your questions. My intent is to expose you to the Scripture and to the truth and to encourage you to get your Bible out and pray to the Holy Spirit in you, and you, you begin to read the Word, and meditate in the Word, and let the Word, let the Spirit illuminate this Word, and reveal truth to you. Amen? We're going to continue. We're going to continue on in, in uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians next week. Uh, we're going to... 
I'm going to make sure that uh, this message guide, we're going to get it uploaded. Do, are the rest of them up there? This is, um, the la- was last week's up there? No, okay. That's my fault because I'm not sending them to him. He can't upload them if I don't send them. We're going to make sure all the message guides from previous weeks, including this one, are going to get uploaded. They'll be there by tomorrow morning. And then you, you can print this out or you can view it online and you can follow the scriptures and you can follow the train of thought that I've laid out here and you can compare that to the word of God and I would encourage you to do that. Amen? Just begin there. Don't, 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 don't read it trying to get all your questions answered. Just read it and let the spirit of God reveal truth to you. Amen? And let him lay a foundation, a good, firm foundation. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Then we'll be a body of people that can operate in the workings and the activities of the Spirit and be a witness to Christ in this world. I want you guys to know one last thing before we pray. I believe this so firmly. The majority, the vast majority of the operating activities of the gifts of the Spirit should not be in here. They should be out there. They're given as a witness to the world. They're given, you know, yes, you can share those things with people in the body of Christ, but it's also meant to be a witness to the world. Amen? Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you right now for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would give us a hunger and a thirsting, Lord, for your word. And Father, as we, as we dig into the Word, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we seek the face of Jesus, Lord, as revealed in Scripture, Father, we pray that by Your Spirit, You would give us a revelation of what is true. Set us free, God, from our preconceived ideas and notions, Lord, that are not rooted and grounded in the truth of Scripture. And Father, I pray that you would just, in your gentle manner, in your graceful way, Lord, just begin to teach us and reveal truth to us by your Spirit. Lord, give us a love for your Word, knowing, Lord, that there is no other revelation that you've given to us by which, Lord, we can know you and know your ways. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you for each one here today. And I pray, Father, you do a work of grace in their hearts and in their minds, transforming them into the very image of your Son for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you would like 